0: Now, I am a firm believer that the right book in the right hands at the right time can change or even save a life. Um, And I know that everybody here has been changed or maybe even saved um, by books. Um, So I'm going to read a wee bit from Maggie and me. This is the rather attractive paperback, which I'm advertising casually. Um, Oh, look at that. Oh, look. Is that my brilliant paperback? Yeah, it just is. It's just there. Um, It's out on March 27th. Um, And um, I'm going to read to you a little bit bit from it. Some of you you have read it. Some of you have not. But this is a bit towards the end um, where we are in Brighton. We're on a school quiz, um, and we're in Brighton. And the very sad thing about this school quiz is that we have lost... Oh, great sadness, which means I can't get to stay in Brighton. Um, but we do get uh, vouchers for fifty pounds for the Virgin Mega which is more money than I'd ever seen in my life at that point. Um, and the Virgin Mega Store, we were young enough that that was funny, um, so we were like <laughs> Virgin, <laughs> and and um, and um, also young enough that I still have a girlfriend, which is which is amazing. Um, Heather, um, but yet old enough, um, that there are, are cassette singles. Um, and I had a, I had an assistant a while back who I ha- who she asked me what these things were in my shed and I actually had to explain to her what a cassette single was and she also had never seen VHS or Betamax anyway. Um, but there we are. So we're, we're in the Virgin Megastore, um, Heather and I. Heather is studying the cassette singles when I point to the videos My mum doesn't like me watching Channel 4. After that time, she turned on my beautiful laundrette. (laughs) And we both had to sit there because if one of us turned it over, it meant acknowledging something. I sneak bits late at night with the volume right down and watch all of the lost language of the cranes in near silence. Virgin has a section with a big gay sign, but I can't go there. I rush straight past to the books. Heather knows what I'm after. And finds them first. I hover, afraid to place a hand on the glaring covers. Go on, she nods. I pick it up, and nothing happens. I grab the next one and the one after that until I've got them all. We tried to get them out of the library, but it doesn't stock them, wouldn't. Heather pushes me towards the cashier, a girl, thank God. I blush as I hand her the vouchers. Do I want a carrier bag? Yes, yes, thank you. Yes. (laughs) I linger but all she says is next. So we rush off giggling and join the others heading for the train station. What did you get, asks one of the teachers eyeing my bag. Oh, it's a present for me, lies Heather. And I take her hand and we smile at each other and can't wait to read the tales of the city. Please welcome our Mister Devon <laughs>
1: I've I've left a trail of personal belongings all over the British Isles, so Damien has oh, yes, kindly oh
0: reading glasses, uh, which which, which two twos? There's, there's like, like a two
1: hundred. Yeah. Fat, Wait, yeah, we can thank you. Bless <laughs> <laughs> bless you, darling. <laughs> Let's see,
0: do we have vision? Almost. Do we have, uh, do they, are
1: they prescription? <laughs> um other glasses. They're just a wee bit foggy. Maybe it's just the room. Uh, do you want uh, do you want that? <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> thank you. Oh I think that we have a winner. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. The <laughs> The kindness of strangers. (laughs) Do I go right ahead and read? All right. Uh, The days of Anna Madrigal takes place. It's uh, there's there's an old lady in it with a secret, as we've already discussed, (laughs) Kirsty. And uh, I better not have them dad while I'm looking at you. Um, And part of it takes place in the past, in the home, uh, in the childhood home, the boyhood home of Anna Madrigal. Uh, in 1936 in the brothel uh, where she grew up and ran away from at 16. The other part has a number of the characters um, making their way towards the Burning Man Festival in northern Nevada, which is, I can't say it's indescribable because I just spent a book trying to describe it, but uh, it's uh, an art fest- arts festival, art festival, uh, a city that grows up overnight and remains on this absolute flat plain, uh, an old alkali sea, um, for a week, and then is torn down again, or portions of it are actually burned down, hence the Burning Man. Uh, and uh, uh, in, in the story, it's, uh, a number of the characters are heading in that direction, including eventually uh, animatrical, because I can't resist these kinds of coincidences. Um, Michael Tolliver, who's in his 60s, and his partner, Ben McKenna, who's in his 40s, are planning to go. Michael is really very grumpy about it. Uh, they're going with Shauna Hawkins, who is my second-generation character, who is the daughter of Brian Hawkins and uh, Marianne Singleton, although actually she was born to Connie Bradshaw. I'm hoping that at least three of you know who the fuck I'm talking about. LAUGHTER um, and Shauna's twenty nine now and has made up her mind that uh well I think this will tell you what she's made up her mind about. The the, the theme of the Burning Man Festival is Fertility uh two point zero. And uh Ben and Ben and Michael are um let me see if I can get some light here. There we go. It's also intimate and salon in here. <laughs> um uh, is Shauna taken care of, asked Ben. Michael felt the tiniest twitch below his right eye. In what way? You know, tent-wise. Michael tried to sound nonchalant. I doubt we'll see her once we're there. She's bunking in three camps near as I can make out and access to a daybed at the Ashram Galactica. Whatever that is, God help us all. Has she called you yet? No, said Ben. She's going to, but don't tell her I told you, because she wanted to tell you first, and I don't want you to be put on the spot, and you will be, believe me, because it's, because it's very sweet. It's just as sweet as it can be, but it's also very embarrassing and deeply, deeply icky. I just wanted you to be prepared. Ben regarded him slack-mouthed. What on earth are you? She wants your sperm when we're at Burning Man. <laughs> Michael threw up his hands, relinquishing the concept to the winds. She wants to get pregnant there. She loves you and admires you and thinks your sperm would be most excellent. She doesn't, expect to be the, she doesn't expect you to be the father, just the donor. That's pretty much it, except the spiritual angle, which I'll leave to her. Oh yeah, and it's fine with her if I'm around during the sperm extraction process. In fact, it would be great, even lovelier." Ben made a disbelieving face. She did not say sperm extraction process. Not in so many words, but come on, honey, this has got to be creeping you out. His husband shrugged. It's a little too close for comfort, I'll give you that, with all of us in the same tent. Not in the same tent. (laughs) Ugh, no, is that what you thought? Another tent, for God's sake, at another camp with a bicycle ride in between. (laughs) And her friend Shauna from Zynga and a big fertility theme party with Tibetan prayer bells and Amy Mann's second album while she lies perfectly still for half an hour with her legs thrown over her head. Why are we even talking about this? Why are you acting so horrified? People do this all the time. You want to do this? I didn't say that. I just can't figure out why you would sound like somebody's Aunt Gladys. Well, exactly. I am her Aunt Gladys. You hit the nail on the head. I practically became her second father after Marianne left, and it just feels weird to me. I can't help it. It's too personal or something. It's almost like incest. The word came out like a rattlesnake's hiss, prompting a short blonde woman standing nearby to turn and glare daggers at them. It takes way too much explaining, Michael told her with a shooing motion. Look at the scenery, please. (laughs) In the first place, said Ben, leaning closer and lowering his voice significantly, it's not you she's asking, it's me. And it's a lovely compliment, sweetheart, it really is. In the second place, I've never known Shauna as anything but an adult. I'm not related to her either, neither are you, for that matter. Nobody's related to anybody here, and Shauna is almost 30 years old. Chillax, Michael. <laughs> chillax? You don't say chillax. I'm saying it now because you're acting like you're 12 and hormonal. If he only knew, thought Michael. 62 is a lot like 12 and hormonal. (laughs) Teenagers rage against the end of childhood. Old people against the end of everything. (laughs) Instability is a permanent condition that adapts with the times. There's such a thing as emotional incest, Michael said, (laughs) In, in lieu of exposing his petty fears the hard truth of what he was feeling. To admit that here and now would have been humiliating, not to mention unattractive. It's not incest, said Ben. It's not even close. It's Soon-Yi incest. (laughs) Oh, please, Ben snorted. Soon-Yi incest? (laughs) Well, Woody Allen was fucking Soon-Yi. This is a procedure, Michael, nothing more. And again, it's not you she's asking, it's me. Ben seemed to ponder the ramifications of of that. Did you tell her how you feel about this? Of course not, I told her to talk to you. But she knows, you can't hide that. You must have hurt her feelings. I don't think that's true at all. So why hasn't she called me? I couldn't tell you that, I'm trying to stay out of this. Oh, and a fine job you're doing too. And then quickly, over to Shauna. Shauna didn't feel like cooking the night before the trip to Burning Man, so she asked Shauna to meet her downstairs. She asked Sharon to meet her downstairs at another monkey. The place was sort of elegant for a Thai restaurant: Buddhas under pin spots, copper piping as a design element, a unisex restroom with shallow sinks and translucent toilet stalls. Back in the days of yore, this had been one of those deafening dot-commer places with a one-word name, Revelations or Cullender or whatever. <laughs> but it was less pretentious now. Shauna would sometimes order Pad Thai at the register and take it home on the elevator. They might have done that tonight, if not for Sharon. Shauna had taken Sharon home once, and Sharon had flown with it, texting about soulmates before Shauna had time to wash the strap on. This is why they saved me for the end of the evening. <laughs> Sharon did not need encouragement. The grilled beef salad is good, said Sean. I've had that several times. Sharon closed the menu with a winsome smile. Good enough for me, then. She leaned forward on her elbows, brushing aside a vagrant strand of pale brown hair. I've got to tell you, Sean, I'm so excited about this. Shauna hated that Sharon was calling her Sean now, not because it masculinized her name, but because it claimed a lover's right to abbreviation. Excited about what? Oh, your first time at Burning Man. That's got to be big. No. Sharon's eyes darted around the room as if she were about to place an order for crack. <laughs> the first time I ever helped someone get pregnant it's like being a midwife or something. Except with a turkey baster instead of forceps. A bicycle. What? I need you for the bicycle, Sharon. I've got the turkey baster covered. Oh Sharon's face fell. Who's doing that? I am. Shauna gave her a sly but gentle smile. It's complicated machinery, but I think I can handle it. It took Sharon a moment to recover, so she managed but she managed. Oh, well, sure. I just assumed since I'd be transporting it, you know. She bludgeoned the rest of that thought by reaching for the Zynga tote bag she'd left on the floor by her chair. This is for you. I made it myself. I hope you don't already have one. Shauna could feel the burn of Sharon's expectant gaze as she removed the contents of the bag, a small blue shawl covered with yellow squiggles and circles. At least that's what they looked like, She could think of nothing to say. It's a fanny blanket, said Sharon. (laughs) You put it over your fanny while your legs are over your head. You're less exposed during the impregnation, but you're still comfortable and it's, you know, celebratory. (laughs) It certainly is. (laughs) Wow, this is amazing. Fuck me, thought Shauna. She thinks we're having a baby together, so she's made me a twat cozy. (laughs) The lesson here was an old one. Do not accept favors from lovesick one-night stands if you're not prepared for them to crank up the (laughs) U-Haul. See, said Sharon, pointing to the squiggles and circles, those are little sperms and eggs. So they are. Shauna hated herself for joining that asinine conscious dance workshop and for getting so gabby afterward with Sharon. But how could she have known that her unilateral pregnancy plans would get Shauna so hot or that Sharon, having already scored a ticket to Burning Man, would soon be inescapable? Sharon swiped at her hair, hair again. I know it's kind of silly. Not at all. It's a nice thing for a friend to do. The F word was strategic and it left an excruciating silence between them. Finally, Sharon said, "'Have you spoken to that guy yet, the furniture maker?' Shauna decided it would help Sharon to know that everyone gets rejected, and it would certainly help Shauna to unload this humiliation on a non-intimate, someone who wasn't part of her logical family. "'I spoke to his husband,' she said. "'And?' Sharon gazed at her, all goggle-eyed and earnest. Amanda ciphered in the Grecian moonlight." As if Shauna had just announced her first belly thump, I think I grossed him out. You're kidding? No. What a dick! Don't attack him, thought Shauna, just so you can be on my side. He's not a dick, Sharon. He's someone I've known all my life. He's like an uncle, only not my dad's brother. I think he's squeamish about his little girl. Shauna frowned. Sharon frowned. It's not like he has to be there. "'and you're going to get pregnant one way or the other. "'That just doesn't feel like the real reason to me.'" Shauna hated her for saying this because she was feeling the same thing. "'Anyway,' said Sharon, "'why not just go directly to the carpenter?' "'Furniture maker. "'Because I'm sure he's spoken to Michael, his husband, "'and he hasn't called me yet. "'It's got to mean he feels the same way. "'Maybe they both think I'll make a shitty mother "'and can't bring themselves to tell me.'" "'I think you're better off with Caleb,' said Sharon." I saw him this morning and he was so excited about it. Sharon's stomach nodded, Shauna's stomach nodded. You know know Caleb outside the dance workshop? Sure, he works at Zynga too, in accounting. He understands we're not co-parenting, right? Absolutely, he says he just wants to give back to the earth. Isn't that a sweet way of putting it? We were coordinating things at Starbucks this morning. This was bad news since Shauna had already considered eliminating the bicycle and thus the middleman altogether. With the use of a festive partition, Caleb would have given back to the earth in Shauna's tent, thereby removing the need for Sharon panting heroically over that grotesque taint warmer. And now there were two Ziggy geeks, two pawns of a corporate empire, conspiring to play Farmville in Shauna's uterus.
0: <laughs> My face actually hurts. It's actually pain. My face is sore from laughing. Is the twat cozy real? Is there like an et- oh, is there an Etsy category you know, for twat? I did, cozy? I
1: did this, recent, uh, this reading in uh, Glasgow, and two guys in kilts in sporrans came up and said, "We wore our twat cozies for you tonight." <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, but the, actually, there's a wonderful writer uh, in San Francisco called Michelle T. Oh, yeah. You know Michelle? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. And, and she, wrote, she had a blog called Getting Pregnant with Michelle T. And I was reading about the, the process and, you know, do you have the festive partition? If it's, your, <laughs> if it's a good friend who's giving you the sperm, how close are they? And, you know, what music do you play and all of that? So. Oh, or so many choices so um, I mean no I don't think there is such a thing but I bet there is. if there wasn't no there, there is there is there <laughs> is and I can hear the, the yeah. um knitting away for X Chris and... was suggesting we sell them on our website and maybe I will I don't know can you imagine the, the days
0: of Anna twat cozies they'd be so <laughs> so festive as you say um that word "festive" has never been put to such use as well—a festive partition. It's so <laughs> grotesque. Um, but anyway, before we get into more details of the track, Cosie, um, let's talk a wee bit about the, the the kind of the bigger picture of the book because you sh- it's the first time that you've gone back into the past in this way, and then and then in, into the present, and, yeah. and, and put these two. And the way that you know that we were talking about with Kirsty as well—it's that kind of juxtaposing of the two things. Was yeah, I loved it. You loved it.
1: I loved having a different time. To wander around in because I've always written in real time, mm. so it was liberating in a curious way. I I really liked it, mm. um, and I got to be 16. Not, not you know I didn't have a transgender experience at 16, but um, I got to feel that outsiderdom and I got to use that. And then there was the great fun of of uh, unlike <laughs> unlike my rugged friend Patrick Gale, I did not travel into the wilds of Canada to do my research and live in a cabin with bears chasing me, I Googled a lot. (laughs) And when it came to getting details for the uh, the brothel, I uh, actually Googled 1930s whorehouse menu, and up it popped. There it was. Everything you could get at a whorehouse in the 1930s. In, say, in order of well you,
0: price. And you say menu. Do you mean menu for food or menu for... Menu
1: for the services of the whorehouse. Okay, okay. And, and I learned on there that the tweet cheapest thing you could get at a whorehouse in the 1930s was something called a dry bob. <laughs> <laughs> Which does sound like the cheapest thing. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody in this room has ever had one, so you'll have to tell
0: us what it is.
1: Um, well, I, <laughs> I, I told this story to to Graham Norton on the radio it was so satisfying watching Graham Norton sweat <laughs> <laughs> he kept looking towards the control booth because they warn you at the BBC the radio yeah. Yeah. that you mustn't say anything that is going to offend people in, in Vietnam or wherever it is <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah it's the uh, well god now I have to tell you don't I I'm just yes. not make the joke yes, about everybody's it trying. everybody here is
0: thinking about what it could possibly be I'm thinking pets.
1: Armpits? Uh, Quite there potentially. Well, thank you for going there, Damien. (laughs) It's penetration without ejaculation, so it's failure. So it's failure. Catholic, yes. (laughs) Catholic. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Patrick. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So. uh,
0: so you found the menu online. I and found the
1: menu. By the way, I've told this story so much on the tour that somebody told me about two stops ago that when they Googled 1930s whorehouse menu, my name came up. <laughs> 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 and how expensive were
0: you? <laughs> So the the Whorehouse um, in Winnemucca, because we go back to Winnemucca yeah. um, as well as to Burning Man, um, and kind of in a weird way, it's a novel in which San Francisco features least. I mean, yeah. it's there. It's, a, it's history in, in this novel. It's their past.
1: It's well, I've sent, I've sent them out of town before. Yeah. You know, yeah, they yeah, came yeah. here and yeah, right, baby cakes, cakes. and uh, uh, you know, there's been some travel, but yes, uh, they take off and... I suppose in some ways it sort of parallels um, the act of leaving the this, this story myself.
0: Because you left the settee.
1: Well, uh, yeah. It wasn't connected. No. Um, but Christopher, my husband, and I moved to Santa Fe about a year and a half ago, tempted by um, amazing prices for property and uh, and houses and, uh, and looking for a new experience. We're missing San Francisco yeah. uh, and want to have a and a place to be there. Mm. Uh, someone on Facebook said, I'm a realtor, I can help you find something. And I oh, said, um, uh, well, how much we, we were prepared to spend for a rental and that we wanted to be dog friendly and um, have a parking place. And his reply was, you may have to put out for that. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> at least he's honest. Yeah, it's you tough. Know, at least it's it's very,
1: work. very expensive. It's the yeah. most expensive place in the United States now.
0: And that's interesting, because if Marianne arrived there now, you know, without a job from Cleveland... Oh, yeah. That, that, that w- w- world wouldn't be...
1: Yeah, Michael live. didn't have a job for the longest yeah. time, because I didn't. Yeah. My apartment, the little the little pent shack, as it's called, in, on the roof of 28 Barbary Lane, was basically my, where I lived.
0: And how much did you pay for
1: that? $175, $175 a month. Was Sweeping view th- of the bay, and it was tiny, yeah. but... There was not a neighbourhood that, wa- that was inaccessible to a newcomer. Yeah,
0: yeah. Th- it's interesting in that way. When I was interviewing people for that feature I did for the Guardian, they were talking about how the early tales of the city novels are almost like history. You know, they where they, they, they are historical documents. It's a city that's that's no longer there, and that it's almost nostalgia now. In a um,
1: way. Certainly, vis- you know, the, the the visuals of it it's just as beautiful. It's more yeah. beautiful than it yeah. was. Yeah. And I guess, But the people that have, you know, all the techie folks come in with lots of money and can buy just what they want in the middle of town. Yeah. Just like here, actually, yeah. in yeah. London.
0: The gu- well, we have no Google buses yet, but that that's probably going to happen. We, actually, they're going to be he- right here, aren't they? I think Google's going to be just there. Oh, is it? Yeah, oh. just behind us. Um, not here, but there. Um, and so the characters go on a journey to Burning Man, which is a journey that I know from your Facebook page that you've made. So let's let's talk about the whole Burning Man yeah. experience and yeah. what, that, what that's like. Because, I, I mean, it's a festival that's new to me. You know, I didn't know much about it. It was new I to I me. Chris
1: had been... How many times, sweetie? Four times? couple times before, so he was really eager for me to do it. And I was just as grumpy about it as Michael is in the novel. because Sofa daddy. Sofa, Yeah, that was my name at Burning Man, sofa daddy. I, people actually drag sofas out into the middle of the desert, and I found every one of them, I think. <laughs> but um, it's extraordinary. It really is. I mean, I was resisting the heat and the dust and the fact that we needed earplugs at night. Um, and five changes of costume during the day, at least. But Chris was amazing. He went and taught himself sewing. He went to, to a, l- a lady in the Marina District in San Francisco and taught himself to use a sewing machine and made costumes for us.
0: Tell us about the costumes.
1: Um, well, what did they? we have? That was that purple velour coat that you made for me <laughs> with leopard skin, black and purple leopard skin coat. is there raucousness in the other room (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm just visual Chris had a (laughs) oh look at the pictures online for heaven's sakes they're on Facebook but
0: um, and so when you went there was there a were you going there for research for the book or were you going there on some kind of you know personal journey or just to get high in the desert
1: well yeah (laughs) almost all of the above (laughs) 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 tech Uh, yeah, we went there to have fun. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was not a discovery process, but it it becomes one because yeah. you are, you don't your cell phone doesn't work. Uh, you cannot retreat into technology. You really have to get out there, yeah. and and it's this amazing thing. It's all it's all a, it's a, like a clock face. The, uh, your addresses are like a flower and a number. So you live at seven thirty in geranium, and there are so there are streets that you can follow and find your way home. On. And then in the middle of the playa, the playa, which is the area in the middle, is just endlessly, endlessly broad. And the thing I described in there, the hug deli, which you come upon in the middle of nowhere. There's the hug a, deli. The hug deli. Okay. There's, a, there's a, a, a hippie dude standing out there offering six or seven forms of hugs. There's a menu. <laughs> you don't pay for anything at Burning Man. You can't. You're not allowed to. Money does not change hands. You can't buy food. You have to bring your own food and water in. And the hugs are all free. And he has things like the Beverly Hills air-kissed hug and the, <laughs> and the long, uncomfortable hug. Um, the long and uncomfortable hug. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, un- that's what it was, uncomfortable. Oh, it's uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. And what was the name of the and camp? And he waits until you're uncomfortable before he lets you, lets oh, you go. Oh, my God.
0: <laughs> um, what was the name of the camp that, that used to comfort and... Comfort and Joy. Comfort that's and Joy. That's yeah. the
1: fairy camp. Yeah. No, oh, we didn't stay there. We just visited a lot. <laughs> 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 a it was lot. right across the road from us in the Gaberhood, as it's called, <laughs> uh, and it's run by the fairies. And um, there's just uh, it's just a, Jesus, what have to say? Um, well, is it, it's uh, is that where, that's where they have I'm a tent. They have a big tent with people being folksy. Okay. Um, it, actually, all degrees of folksiness, just lounging and
0: yeah, lounging. Lounging up to up to the scene in the book, which is the lovely, yeah, the, the lovely one, one of the lovely scenes in the book, where it, Michael and, right. and his boyfriend have a threesome with this hot young guy yeah. who is dressed as a satyr. And the people who are real fans of the books will remember when Michael goes out dressed as Pan, and it's almost like it's almost like Michael's danced back in from the past. It's yeah, it is. It's
1: exactly like that, and he's somebody you've met before. Surprise, surprise, in Tales of the City. Oh, yes, indeed.
0: Uh, yes, that character? Yeah,
1: that's the... Oh, he,
0: I did not make that connection yeah. until right this moment. Sorry. I should have done. <laughs> I know, call Patrick's myself... Patrick's over there
1: spewing spoilers from the front row. Yes, I was trying thanks,
0: to Not to say it. So when we're, gonna, we're not going to tell people about the ending or the thing that happens before the ending that isn't the ending that people might think is the ending. Yeah um it's really important that we don't do that but when you did the thing that happens before the ending that isn't the ending <laughs> did you know that it wasn't the ending
1: uh yes you did know mm-hmm. okay
0: so that was an intentional red herring because that had me in tears I'm i was sorry. bawling you're not sorry you're i'm not a bit sorry no <laughs> so tears are the uh, yeah. a su- sign of success for yeah, me yeah. I, great (laughs) yeah i'm really very sadistic yeah (laughs) christopher's like yes the husband is like yes tears are a sign of success (laughs) now so i mean i i know i've written about this and i know lots of people have asked you about it and and, you know it really is the end this is the last book you have said it's the end before though yeah i don't believe you
1: yeah i stopped in 89 uh, and really the reason was i had established michael tolliver as hiv positive yeah And at that time, that was a death sentence. I mean, this was a very poignant ending because I was leaving in the midst of life, but uh, with the assumption that he didn't have that much time left. Um, I did not want to write uh, a a novel, essentially, or a story, if you will, an epic story, that ended with the gay man dying. It's been, you know, in in pop culture, that was the thing that we ran up against time and time again. I did in my youth. Movies where... The lesbian or gay man had to be die for their sins at the end of the story. Yeah, if you have sex and you like it,
0: you have to die. Yeah, Yeah. you
1: have to. It can be sad. It can be pitiful that it happens, but you have to die. Yeah, and I didn't want to do that, so I left it at that point. And when the when the drug cocktails came around, I had written a couple of other novels in between, The Night Listener and maybe The Moon. Uh, I decided I wanted to write, um, Christopher Isherwood is a big hero of mine, and I always loved A Single Man, which is one day in the life of a middle-aged gay man. Mm. And uh, I thought I wanted to do something like that, and I was all set to write it when I realized that I had such a gay man in my repertoire and that Michael might have lived, and uh, I could move in with all the ammunition I had before uh, in terms of their uh, the reader's knowledge of the character, mm.
0: I mean, some people didn't like that book as much because it didn't have the multiple points of view thing. It was yeah, very some people didn't like it a lot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How was that? And Cause how was thank that for you? God
1: you made that piece as big as you did when you liked animatrical. <laughs> yeah.
0: Four thousand words in the Guardian review. <laughs> um, um, but but you
1: know but yeah, that, yeah. Was that
0: was that was obviously really hard right because people had loved those characters and they feel a sense of ownership which yeah, I think is yeah yeah I understand yeah
1: uh, I'm not sorry I wrote that novel and no. I'm not even sorry I put it in the first person yeah but I think it did it did uh, people thought it was you know there was vanity involved because. Michael sounded so close to my own life, which, by the way, he's always been. Mm. I'm also very close to Dee Dee. Um, You know, I've written many characters over the years that I've uh, have been pieces of me. And so, in this book, um, which character is the biggest piece
0: of you, do you think?
1: Um, I suppose it's Michael. I've tried. You know, Anna has always been my higher self, or what I aspire to so I tried to sort of be part of her wisdom. And uh, they all say and think things that I say and think. I mean Mary Ann ha- has a plug-and-play experience, as they call it, at Burning Man. That's where you're flown in for the day or two and, uh, and you have a, a big Reba McIntyre tour bus and uh, <laughs> people are cooking for you and even making your costumes. Uh, a lot of rich folks do it. A lot of the techie folks in San Francisco do it, and it's highly frowned upon. Mm. But I thought I could have fun, you know, being Marianne in that moment because yeah. who doesn't want air conditioning and <laughs> <laughs> filet mignon in the evening, you know? Let's talk a wee bit about the the, the adaptation
0: um, because they were they. I think for some people, some people came to the books through the telly. Yeah. Um, a, a lot of people here certainly did because I think and I, I know a lot of people here will have memories of watching them at home and trying to watch them without being caught by their parents. Um, Just me then. Okay, fine. Um, But but how involved were you with the adaptation? I love
1: having corrupted the youthful Damien Ball. That (laughs) just feels really good. If I'm a tiny bit responsible for this incredible man sitting across from me tonight...
0: Actual blushing.
1: Yeah, I can see it. <laughs>
0: I need my hanky again. Um, but you did. You did. And I think that that is one of the things that's so incredible about this series of books is that that for so many people I, I know, um, men and women, all different kinds of people, it was like a kind of lifeline. It was this sense that there were other people out there, not just who were like you, but who, who weren't like you, but who wouldn't hate you for being who you were. You yeah. This, this was the first book that I read where I can remember feeling like it it might be all right, like I could be okay to be gay, I wouldn't have to die um, and I could be happy and that's just an incredible thing so thank you Um, for that Um, I'm going to take questions now, I, I know there are lots of them so questions right at the back Patrick Strudwick is waving. Patrick wrote the lovely piece. I know, I thanked him for it my goodness. There he is. Patrick who moved to San Francisco because of the books Yes. (laughs)
1: Yes. <laughs> Pr- proud feminist. And, uh, and to the extent that I... Tr- like every writer is a little bit transgender. Patrick, I'm sure, would agree. It, you have to be... You have to be... I'm not making jokes. You have to be inside of everyone. And, uh, and you have to be a feminist, too, to write really good female characters, mm-hmm. as Patrick does. Yes. Um, you, have to, you have to, you know, start with the assumption that, uh, that that women are human beings like you and move from there. So, yeah, I'm. Uh, thank you. That's quite a compliment, Patrick. I appreciate that. And the whole gender thing, I, you know, the, having a trans man in it this time who have their own set of problems. Uh, I mean, it's been the last three books. A lot of trans men contacted me and said, we love Jake Greenleaf but for God's sakes, get him a love life. And I realized I was doing the same thing to him that I was doing to Michael Tolliver in the early days of having him fail in order to gain sympathy for him. Uh, so I got him one. I got him a really hot one. But I, it was fascinating to me to think that there are men in San Francisco now who go to bear bars who were born women who are attracted to men, gay trans bears, if you will, um, and, and 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 the people that I have known, the gay men that I have known, that have been mildly unsettled, that they see these guys and think, "Boy, that's hot." Mm. <laughs> uh, so any the whole transgender movement challenges our assumption about people, our our gender assumptions about people. Oh no! I mean, I think what's interesting in the
0: book is that I mean, it's initially Anna's secret. You know, that Anna is, is you know this is her big secret, and she's this person. But the other characters are now. Uh, not incidental, but that you know that the, their their, que- their gender queerness is an accepted part of who they are, and it's almost like, in a way, you know, we've we've won the battles of sexuality, and gender is the is that area that that, that trans people are pushing against. They're the new yeah. radicals yeah. in a way, and it seems like you've yeah, gonna, and they don't they're that.
1: making out, speaking out now. There was yeah. a moment when Katie Couric, the newscaster in in New York, that was doing what she thought was a sympathetic interview with a transgender yes. person. And the first thing she wanted to know about was her genitalia. Yeah. And she basically said, would you ask that of other people? Yeah. Um, so that was I... A great, that's I, a great clip, actually. People it is a great clip. People YouTube. It's really
0: entertaining. Um,
1: I'd, I'd love to... Um, well, I must not give that away. No, don't give that Because it's not happening yet,
0: but... Oh, what? Well, what's not happening?
1: I'd love... I <laughs> Nothing. I'm there not are going, no secrets here. I'm not going to Den. The first of that sentence is go to Denmark. I'm not doing that, but I, uh, um, I, know, I really can't. It's about dreams for the future of this story. Okay. Um, it may not be over yet. You heard
0: that here first. <laughs> yes, you did. <laughs> All right. Um, other questions? Uh, Jessica and then Josh. Jessica. That's a great question. How easy is it for you to take ownership of the characters when the, your readers just love them so much and feel they possess them? Yeah, I,
1: cause I'm arrogant. <laughs> I mean, I, they're mine, yeah. you know. And, and I, you know, I, you know, I don't... Uh, I listen to what other people have to say. Sometimes the good things come out of that, or I did. Um, especially when I was at the newspaper, people would uh, write me and, and say... Uh, when I, cre- I created a, an African-American character because I was very aware that it was a very white series. Mm. And so I created uh, Dorothea Wilson, who is a model at the, at, at the uh, ad agency. And some woman wrote in and said, shame on you, up until now, all of your characters have rung true, but Dorothea Wilson is only is just a white woman in black skin. And I was really depressed about that for several days until I realized it was a great fucking idea. <laughs> <laughs> Those of you who've read the, the book know what that means. But oh, yeah. um, That's a great book. Readers told me that, uh, that Anna's name was an uh, anagram. I had no idea. You really didn't have any no. idea about that? No, no.
0: That's incredible. So
1: t- to that degree, it does belong to everybody because people have helped move the plot. Or if I was hearing... People were second guessing me, uh, I would deliberately veer in another direction. So it's been a habit for years now thinking, what do they think is going to happen right now? And what, that's the. Ending that wasn't the ending that oh, you were talking ending, about. Yeah,
0: exactly. The thing that happens before the ending that isn't the ending. But but, but does that change when you're not writing every day? Because when you started, obviously it was a newspaper serial and you were writing every day and you might you know, some. I mean you said you wrote weeks ahead but sometimes obviously it was just days or hours. Yeah, yeah. You know, and d- I mean that's a sense of urgency, that's deadlines, that's an editor shouting at you. Was it difficult after that to, to me? Yeah, sure? it's just gotten
1: harder and harder. Patrick and I were talking about this earlier that it's fun leaping into a book and leaping out of it, but in the middle, um, it's uh, for me, it's re- I won't put words into your mouth, Patrick, but it's real drudgery. Mm. And uh, Chris, my husband, ha- has this tiresome way when I express my doubts, <laughs> because he's been with me for 10 years, oh, you're just at that point, meaning y- where the point in the novel where yeah. the self-doubt creeps in. Yeah.
0: Well, there are so many, you know, so I think we should set up a spouses support group. I was talking to Mike about this earlier. For the partners of people who write books, Nightmare. Um, Joshua. Do you think anything remains of the spirit of San Francisco from 1976? Yes. Is there anything left?
1: Well, yeah, I don't think it's anywhere. I mean, I think it's, I mean, the world has changed a great deal. And there is... I love the luxury of there being a Starbucks or an eat. That's a new thing for me, but I kind of like eat, um, or a pret a manger on every corner in London. Mm. That sh- beats the hell out of the old Lion's Corner House that I remember. <laughs> Do you, but d- it. But things have changed.
0: He was asking about San Francisco,
1: though. Right? Yeah. Does, does, does any of that remain
0: still? Do you think you've, Well, did, it's beautiful. Yeah.
1: It's really beautiful. You can still wander through those little lanes. Um, and uh, the Castro is vibrant. Uh, the Mission is very vibrant. It's money is pouring into it by the, uh, yeah. you know. I heard the other day that Mark Zuckerberg had bought a $10 million dollar, dollar pied-à-terre in the Mission. It's just unthinkable. Yeah, It used to be the neighborhood, uh, you know, uh, years ago that... Uh, where nobody wanted to go, and you could tell it was the mission because the ads in the paper always said, sunniest neighborhood in town, because <laughs> they didn't want to say it was the mission. Yeah. So the cities change, and people change, and uh, I don't want to get too m- melancholy about it, because there's there's still a vibrancy to street life, no matter where you are, you still bump into... Old friends and strangers. When, when, we, when
0: I was doing the tour, the Tales of the City tour um, uh, with, with with Larry and his team, very very funny, and um, and we were there, and I was thinking how much the city changed. And on that tour in that morning I saw a group of men completely naked apart from socks over their cocks. Yeah, that's the new how rule. they flout the law by not being naked. Like, yeah. Like Dobby in Harry Potter, essentially. Yeah. The same, the same kind of thing. And I saw that. I saw a Chinese funeral with, with, with brass bands. There you go. And, and then I saw a parade of people all wearing pink being led by a bagpiper across the road. And I was like, are they being paid by the tourist board? Where have <laughs> they come from? It was incredible all in the same morning. But when I was talking to Patrick, he made a really good point about San Francisco, which is that it is now this tech hub, it is the place you know, where, where, where we go to think, imagine our technological future, and so much of the internet has come from there, and really, when you think about the internet, it's kind of San Francisco in so many ways. It's that sort of self-expression self yeah. and individuality, so in a weird way, San Francisco's kind of, I think, transcended itself and, and, and gone online. Well, it's the new thing. Yeah, yeah. There's
1: actually a serial in the Chronicle where I started right now about techies. Really, I have no interest in it, but it's there. Um, well, the and there will still be things to write about. I mean, yeah. it's still hilarious. Like you said, you were reminding me with the nudity thing. Yeah, that was going, you know, uh, full bore um, a year ago, I guess, or two years ago. I can't remember exactly when the and uh, people started complaining. The, the the buses coming in from Fisherman's Wharf were seeing the guys. To be fair, it ever the people you want to see naked. No, I mean, it's, no, not the, especially. Yeah.
0: It tends to be. And then they sit on chairs that are slatted and it's really upsetting. <laughs> yeah. Uh, a, a question yeah. from Nick. And then a question at the back from a lady who's being one here and then you, yes. Nick was essentially asking you for a threesome, I think, at that point. Yeah. That's, that's what that question was. <laughs> but if we're going to, if we're just sidestepping that for an issue, he's really asking about: Have are we losing some of our, you know, sex positivity, our hotness, the things that made us different? I don't know. I don't. I, I the same.
1: may, may, maybe, a little bit, uh, you know. Um, but uh, the, the progress that's been made is just astounding. I can't get sentimental about the good old days when. When I see where we've come from, I simply cannot. I think that's something you have to do on a personal level. Don't lose your own, you know, hang on to it yourself if you want it. We have the option to be everything, Mm. Uh, and marriages can be everything, by the way. Uh, Embracing uh, the institution of marriage, at least as a legal construct, does not mean that you have to do anything uh, that's uh, that's ordained by society. You don't have to. That was basically
0: a yes. I'll take the question from the lady. The question from the lady at the, <laughs> the, lady at the back. <laughs> See me after. Yes. Yeah. You. The, uh, the kind of t- two questions, but I think the second part is more interesting, which is what what liberated you. Well, it is what what, liber- <laughs> what, 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 what liberated what le- it is interesting. What liberated you to, to to be able to write in the way that you did? Because when you arrived in San Francisco, you know, having been to Vietnam, you weren't the man who's sitting there. No, you I was were a very cons- different man. Yeah,
1: I was a conservative Republican. Um, uh, you name it; it was all there. And then I got some dick at the baths, and it was all over. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it was funny to me that this I had been this... <laughs> I, I had been this... Uh, I had to end it that way. I'm sorry. That's so good. <laughs> I, I was this pot I was really uptight about who I was, and it was my heterosexual friends who... A, a, a woman uh, that was the first person to use the term baby cakes with me uh that i appropriated and um and i went to her house one afternoon because i was new and you know i'd been in town for just a little bit but i was feeling liberated and um and i wanted to i did this hemming and hawing about you know finally telling her i told her i had something important to tell her and i finally told her i was gay and she just said big fucking deal <laughs> and and it uh it's, I realized the whole town was telling me that. Yeah. Not to be horrified about it. I came out, I was hating my job at an ad agency, and I went to my boss, and I tried to hang it on the fact that I was gay. <laughs> it didn't work. He's, <laughs> and he said, big deal, I'm fucking the secretary out there, and I'm married, <laughs> you know. He had... Oh. They like
0: that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> they, that's the secretary <laughs> out there.
0: In fact, <laughs> I'm going to say, that's my the, new assistant. <laughs>
1: We will There's talk some about very this in body the body people in the wings. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: no, I think I think that's the the, the the great thing about the books for people who've never been to the city is is that you 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 get that sense of liberation and you are being liberated as you write them. And I uh, think uh, that's simultaneously what, yeah, with it,
1: yeah. when Michael came out to his family uh, and wrote the letter telling them he was gay, that was how I told my parents. It was that. So that th- to answer your question. Um, it was life itself, and that city, and the people around me, and my own joy of you know finally uh, enjoying sex after 27 years. You know that old John Denver song. This is really corny. He was born in the summer of his 27th year.
0: That's the way I felt. Because you were a virgin until then. I was. Oh, that seems like a great. It place sounds to better end when up. you call it a
1: virgin. <laughs> <laughs> a virgin. <laughs> I've, I've love I've been wallowing in these Scottish voices tonight. <laughs> it's so beautiful, Kirstie's voice, oh my God.
0: Um, I am going to take this moment just to say thank you. Oh, Armistad, open! <laughs>
1: thank you.